On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla held their quarterly conference call with analysts and investors this week, and it was a wild one. I've got all the highlights and analysis on the fascinating last three months of the company, as well as the call itself. Stay tuned. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey here with you for episode 248 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for May 3rd, 2020. Daisy the Boxer Puppy curled up on the couch to my left. And I want to start by wishing all of you a very good week and a start to May. Hopefully, if things go well, we'll all continue to be safe and and uh, start to maybe even get back to a little bit of normalcy. And that's uh, been a big topic of the world of Tesla and specifically Elon Musk this week. I'll get to that later. First, I want to mention the Patreon bonus episode that I do every month for a certain tier of Patreon supporters. I'm going to make that available to all Patreon supporters this month, regardless of which tier you're supporting me at. I just want to say thank you to all of you who are continuing to support me during these very uncertain times. So uh, that bonus episode should either be available as you hear this or imminently. My plan is to get it done this weekend. I'm recording here on late Friday night, in fact, later than usual Friday night. And so hopefully by the time you hear this or by the time the podcast becomes available on Sunday, that bonus episode will be there for you. Next, as to um, proper Tesla news itself, the big software update did arrive for me and hopefully a lot of you that have Hardware 3 and the full self-driving package, that being the stoplight and stop sign recognition and response update. So what I found interesting about this is that the release notes, as, as you would have seen if you got the update and did scroll through them all, because they were uh, pretty extensive, the release notes on this. They spell out very clearly that they are, that Tesla, meaning they, are intentionally being conservative with this at first. So do bear that in mind as you choose to enable it. That part of that con- uh, conservative play includes no longer being able to go five miles per hour over the speed limit on autopilot on local and two-way roads. So if you don't want to be restricted to that, be sure to just disable the feature, just turn it off, and you'll be able to go back to uh, setting autopilot to five over. But I have to say, so far, it's I just did a quick loop around uh, part of San Francisco where it would be, I knew there'd be a lot of stop signs, a lot of stop lights. And I have to say, it makes a pretty good first impression. I'll, I'll be very transparent. I have not spent nearly enough time with this to evaluate it in any sort of meaningful capacity, but just turning it on and trying it out, it worked quite well. Uh, You have to confirm every green light. So if it's green, you've got to either tap the stalk down or the gear selector stalk, I mean, or tap the accelerator to have the car continue through the light. If you do not, the car will start slowing down for the light regardless of what color it is. So even if it's green, uh, which (laughs) you don't don't want to be slowing down for a green light. So pay attention. It wants you. It needs you to pay attention, as always. But uh, when it was time for a red light, 
it stopped pretty well and it, it generally for me stopped where it was supposed to. I think, I mean, if I'm being honest, I probably threw four or five stop signs at it and five or six lights. And it's, it, uh, when there, I had, I guess I would say maybe half of those, there was just a car in front at that, that it stopped behind. And then, uh, the other half, I did have the line and it was, the car was able to actually go all the way up to the, the light itself or stop sign. And only once did it, uh, did it stop just well short where it just, either it saw the line differently or it just messed up or, or what have you. So, okay, that's, uh, that's a note to be aware of. And then there was one, it had one false positive where it wanted to stop, I forget where, but it started to slow down where there wasn't an intersection. So, but generally speaking, I think it's off to a good start. It it feels pretty good. I'm going to keep it on and keep playing with it for a bit and we'll see. I mean, I, if you've been listening for a while, you know that I, I, I don't know about you guys, I turned off the automatic lane changing with navigate on autopilot. I have it set now where it'll still suggest the lane changes, but I have to convert, uh, confirm them. I just, I had tried the feature of having the car do it all by itself when it first came out and it just seemed way too slow. The process was really way too slow for me, but this out of the gate, this feature feels a lot more usable to me. So, uh, be very eager to see how this goes. Now, Tesla probably wanted to get this out uh, before the earnings call so that they could have a little bit of extra good news to talk about on that earnings call, regardless of how the financials turned out. Now, it's it was Q1. Tesla more or less lost the final week of that quarter, which the last week of any Tesla quarter is always a huge, huge, full, all-hands-on-deck approach to delivering as many cars as possible. Tesla did not have that opportunity due to the factory shutdown and the shelter-in-place orders here in the Bay Area at the end of March. So I kind of figured, well, historical precedent plus that extra boulder to push uphill in the form of the factory shutdown that final week of March, uh, you know, probably not reasonable to expect that Tesla would be profitable in Q1. Well, it was a very pleasant surprise on the financials. Tesla was indeed profitable in Q1 2020. Their first Q1 profitable quarter, their first profitable Q1 ever. Now, this call also featured, so it, had, it featured surprisingly good news. It featured some technical difficulties, and it featured a, uh, I would say, pretty intense Elon Musk rant, and I'm going to get to that a little later. But let me first start by going over the highlights for you from the investor letter that's sent out shortly before the investor call itself. I'll just read you a few highlights here. Q1 was the first time in our history that we achieved a positive gap net income in the seasonally weak first quarter. Uh, Another excerpt. Model Y contributed profits, which is the first time in our history that a new product has been profitable in its first quarter. And then another little tidbit from this uh, letter. We believe we are well positioned to manage near-term uncertainty while achieving our long-term plans. So yes, as I said, Tesla was profitable. And I have to say, 
I am surprised, but happily surprised, obviously, because I don't want to sound like I'm being negative. But again, the, the reasonable expectation heading into this was that they were not going to end up in the black. But they got there thanks, of course, to great products, number one, but also smartly built products that have high margins on them. That came up later in the call as well, specifically with uh, the Model Y. And then, of course, that thanks for the profitable Q1 is in large part due to the massive amount of hard work from the incredibly talented Tesla team across the board. Again, you heard there, Model Y was even profitable pretty well right out of the gate, which, as you heard, never happens for Tesla. Uh, generally speaking, as Elon has explained it in the past, on the first run of cars, you have to pay back the initial tooling investments, uh, and it takes more time per car. You haven't ramped up your production, production, and thus each car costs more in time, and thus uh, man hours, employee hours. Tesla CFO Zach Kirkhorn noted later in the call that it did help that the average sale price is higher on the Model Y right now than on the Model 3, since they're not selling a standard range version as of yet, and that it, it they were also helped by the fact that Tesla started out by selling the performance versions first, and those obviously make more money. But still, this is really, really impressive. I want to say a big congratulations to everyone at Tesla. Elsewhere in that investor letter, a few other little tidbits here. This one I wanted to mention. They say, we were able to build more Model Y vehicles in its first quarter of production than in the first two quarters of Model 3 in 2017. Model Y production also exceeded the first quarter of production of Model 3 in Shanghai, demonstrating continued improvements in program execution. So that, I think, gives you an idea of just how the production ramp is going. And apparently, it's going pretty darn well. I would caution you all, though, that uh, if you're kind of thinking ahead to the to the many, many of you out there that have a Cybertruck reservation, and you're thinking, all right, Tesla's learning, they're getting better and better every time. That is true, but I would just, I would exercise some caution here because the Model Y, as you know, shares many, the, the majority of its parts with the Model 3, and that no doubt helped the Model Y hit the ground running pretty fast. The Cybertruck, on the other hand, while being simpler to build, is still going to be a whole new ball game with the assembly process and seemingly at a new plant. So it's going to be interesting to see how the initial ramp of Cybertruck production goes next fall if everything stays on schedule. A quick note about Gigafactory uh, Shanghai. They say, we believe Model 3 will achieve a production rate at Giga Shanghai of about 4,000 cars per week or about 200,000 cars per year on the extrapolated run rate by mid-2020, so coming right up in another quarter. Thus far, we have been able to ensure component supply in order to continue operations at the facility. So that uh, is impressive as well. And when I think about it, you know, Giga Shanghai, and I mean this in the most complimentary way possible towards a Tesla company that has continued to grow and continued to evolve, Giga Shanghai, I think, it seems to be the most seamless project 
that Tesla has ever undertaken. What I mean by that is if you go back to the very beginning of the company and the original Tesla Roadster, that car was delayed for a while. Then when it did come out, the initial production models had a two-speed gearbox that Tesla ended up having to completely scrap because it just didn't work reliably. Then the next car, the Model S, that took about three years or so from prototype to production. The Model X took about four and was plagued by fairly significant production issues early on due to the, of course, quote-unquote Fabergé egg nature of the Model X. Then, as you likely well know, the Model 3 went through its infamous production hell. But the Gigafactory in Shanghai has, dare I say it, pretty much gone perfectly from what we can tell from the outside, from the groundbreaking straight through into production. What an impressive achievement that factory and its employees are. Just a tremendous operation that is in, uh, in a, going on over there in Shanghai. How about Gigafactory 4, a.k.a. Giga Berlin? Tesla noting, we recently finished the land preparation phase and are about to break ground on the construction phase of this project. Based on the current progress, we are on track to start the first Model Y deliveries from Gigafactory Berlin in 2021. Well, if they are able to break ground in the next month or two, that would give them about 18 months, maybe a touch less, in order to stay true to their word on that and get cars out the door in 2021. And hopefully that's going to be very doable. I know a commonly used refrain, at least that I heard when Tesla first announced that they were going to Berlin, is that apparently the airport there has been some crazy project that's taken an absurd amount of years to complete. And so the, the narrative was, well, how could Tesla, how could the Tesla Gigafactory be built quickly over there? I mean, I'm glad uh, that seems to not be brought up anymore since clearly not every construction project in Berlin takes forever. So here's hoping that we hear about that official groundbreaking very soon. And finally, from the investor letter, before I move on to the call itself, the Tesla Semi is delayed. Tesla noting we are shifting our first Tesla Semi deliveries to 2021. Now note, they don't even say early 2021, Q1, mid 20, they just, they're just leaving it at the year and giving themselves the full 12 months to, uh, to make good on that. It does make sense though, because the Tesla Semi, I think really arguably more than any other vehicle in the Tesla lineup, despite the relative low volume of the Tesla Semi, it has to be right the first time due to the clientele of these things. You've got all these giant multi-billion dollar corporations, not, not all, but a lot of the initial customers are these really me big mega conglomerate companies that are making multi-million dollar orders for the Tesla Semi. So you just, you can't have weird beta broken stuff going on with those Tesla Semis. These, these clients need to, these customers need to be able to put them into the field reliably. And the other thing, the other part of it, is that we haven't heard a word about the mega chargers. And you'd think those are going to have to be in place by the time the first deliveries 
of the Tesla Semi occur. And we've heard nothing about megachargers so far. So that was uh, the last of the investor letter. Now, as always, I want to play you Elon Musk's entire opening statement from the earnings call. This is, uh, how long is this thing? So it is seven and a half minutes. So sit back, relax, and listen to the Q1 monologue, as it were, to start with from Elon Musk. So Q1 ended up being a strong quarter despite many many challenges in the final few weeks. This is the first time we've achieved positive gap net net income uh, in a seasonally weak first quarter. Even with all the challenges, we achieved a 20% automotive gross margin, excluding regulatory credits, while ramping two major products. Um, What we've learned from this is that uh, we've obviously learned a lot here. After all, um, after the Model 3 ramp from three years ago, um, our new products get run faster and become profitable sooner. In Q1, we produced more Model Ys in the first quarter than Model 3s in Fremont in the first two quarters. Thus far, the Model Y ramp has been even faster than the Giga Shanghai ramp in Q1. Most surprisingly, in other words, we are ahead of the schedule that we were ahead of already. Um, most surprisingly, uh, Model Y was profitable already in its first quarter of production, something we haven't achieved with any product in the past. Regarding Autopilot, we released a new software update for traffic lights and stop signs uh, to early access users in March and to uh, all U.S. customers uh, with the full self-driving package uh, just last week. Our cars will now automatically stop at each stop sign or traffic lights until the driver gets a confirmation to proceed. Um, I, should, I should say that the car is actually capable of much more than this, uh, but we are, we are only uh, exposing functionality that we feel uh, quite good about and where we feel that it, it is a, a probably a safety improvement. Um, we, are, we are collecting data from over a million intersections every month at this point. This, this number will grow exponentially as more people get the update and as more people start driving again. Uh, soon we will be collecting uh, data from over a billion intersections per month. Uh, all of those uh, drive, all of those confirmations are training our neural net. Essentially the the, the, the driver, when driving and taking action, is effectively labeling uh, the labeling reality as they drive um, and making the neural net better and better. Uh, but this is an advantage that no one else has. We're, we're quite literally orders of magnitude more than everyone else combined. Um, I think this is difficult to, to fully appreciate. Um, you know, it's the reason that say, it's, it's very difficult to have a search engine that competes with Google because everyone is training Google all the time with, the, with, uh, with their searches. So when you search on something and you click on a link, you're training Google every time you, you do that. It's just very difficult for any, any new search engine to compete on that basis. Um, so, uh, so all those confirmations are training on neural net, uh, and soon cars will be able to drive through an intersection without a confirmation, as well as to make turns. Um, and and we really feel we're, uh, I feel ex- extremely comfortable, extremely confident that uh, it will be possible to do uh, a drive from your home to your office um, in, in most of the time with no interventions by the end of the year. Uh, so this, this, this is, we, we can almost do this already with the leading edge alpha builds uh, that, that I'm driving in the car. Um, um, so let's see. On 
On other technology front, fronts, uh, we increased the range of Model S and X yet again, this time to 391 miles for Model S and 351 miles for Model X. And it should be said that actually the model, the, the, the real Model S range uh, is, is 400 miles. Um, but when we did the last EPA test, um, unfortunately EPA left the car door open and the keys in the car. So the car, and they did this overnight, and so the car actually it, um, w went into w waiting for driver mode and lost 2% of its range. And as a result, it had a 391 uh, test. As soon as the EPA reopens for testing, we will redo the test, and we are extremely confident that we will achieve a 400-mile or greater range with the Model S. But to be clear, the, the, the Model S that uh, for the past two months, uh, the, the true range of the Model S for the past two, two months has been 400 miles. Um, and, and of course, we're not stopping there. We'll, we'll always continue pushing for improved range over time and improving, improving um, handling, acceleration, and all the little details that make uh, a Tesla special. For Model Y, we, we introduced a revolutionary two-piece uh, rear underbody casting um, that uh, we're um, going to be making a single-piece casting uh, later this year, uh, meaning that essentially the rear third of the body is cast as a single piece, which is no, no casting of, of this size or complexity has ever been done before. Um, in fact, there isn't even anything that is on, the, on par with the two-piece casting for the Model Y. So, we're really pushing the envelope on vehicle structural engineering and manufacturing. I'm very excited about this, this approach as it allows us to reduce the, the weight, the cost, um, and, and improve NVH. Uh, uh, it's better in every way, essentially. Um, we also, for Model Y, we also introduced a revolutionary new heat pump, uh, which uh, allows the car to have a higher range um, so the, the Model Y has remarkable range uh, you know, on par with, in fact, slightly better than, I guess, the Model 3. Um, and just despite being a bigger car, that uh, weighs more. And this is, uh, the heat pump is a key contributor to that. Um, it is especially uh, excellent at low temperature driving. So... Um, and, and the feedback we're getting from customers who have received the, the Model Y thus far has been universally positive. Um, we're confident this, this product will be our best-selling product ever. So, uh, in conclusion, um, uh, and, and, and just to look at looking for, I guess this is a forward-looking statement. <laughs> um, we we are absolutely continuing. Uh, our Model Y capacity expansion at full speed at both Giga Berlin and Giga Shanghai uh, and, and, and here in Fremont when they will let us continue. Um, localized production in China and in Europe will bring the cost down, making our, our products even more competitive over time. Uh, while many other companies are cutting back on investment, we are doing the opposite. We are absolutely pedal to the metal uh, on new products and expanding the company. And, uh, and we're really looking forward to being in sometime next year a truly global manufacturer with major factories in uh, North America, China, and Europe, and a capacity of well over a million units a year. 
So there's a tremendous amount to look forward to, and we we're, can't wait to tell you what's going to happen. Some very interesting tidbits there. First, the Model S is now unofficially a 400-mile range car now, and they will look to make it official as soon as they're able to run that EPA test again. Although, later in the week, after the call, the EPA disputed any issue with the test, saying, quote, uh, telling The Verge, quote, We can confirm that EPA tested the vehicle properly, the door was closed, and we are happy to discuss any technical issues with Tesla as we do routinely with all automakers. So uh, I guess we're going to have to see what happens there, but either way, they're on the doorstep, and maybe they're going to run the test again, maybe not. It's but 400 is is pretty well attained here. It's just a matter of whether or not, or when, not if, it becomes official. You know, either way on that, I still remember several years ago a quote from Elon. Heck, it was probably on an earnings call. He had said a while back that they could make a 400-mile range Model S then, but it would be too expensive. Well, here we are, fast forward to f- several years, and they have done it, and that car is $80,000, far from the whatever the crazy amount it would have been when Elon made that comment a few years back, three, four years back. And remember, too, remember last week how I was talking about how far the S has come in terms of performance in its eight, about eight years now on the market? Well, the same can be said of the Model S's range, too. This is the same car. It's been upgraded a lot under the under the surface, but the Model S started out life as a 265 mile range car uh, at its at its maximum in the, uh, in the in the onset there in 2012, and now almost eight years later, it is up to or right on the doorstep of 400 miles of range uh, for by the way about the same money as the 265-mile range car was in 2012. If you, you know, you didn't necessarily have to get the P85 in 2012. You could just get the the 85, and you still got that 265 miles of range. So, yeah, I know there's inflation, and 2012 monies doesn't, you know, that's a little going to be a little more in 2020 money. But my point stands. I think uh, I think you see where I'm going with that. It's it's a pretty impressive achievement, and just shows you the ever advancing technology. The Tesla continues to uh, to build upon. Also, there it's neat to hear that by using the new autopilot stoplight stop sign feature I talked about at the top of the show, that we're actively helping to make it better. In a sense, if you will, we are all the neural nets personal trainer. Sorry, that was a that was a bad dad joke, I guess. But <laughs> anyway, you know the comparison to Google too, as far as training the neural net. That's interesting to me, but it does make sense. It makes sense. And a billion, with a B, billion intersections mapped per month coming up, uh, and they're at a million now. So that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a lot of data that should hopefully help make this, this feature better relatively quickly, all things considered. And then finally from that clip, I wanted, the one other thing I wanted to say is... I just, I like how Elon phrased the execution of the Model Y program here, saying that they were ahead of the schedule they were ahead of schedule for. I really like that. I mean, they, they should be proud of what they achieved with the Model Y, you know, because they're, they're still not even really trying to sell it yet. 
probably because they're still ramping production, but I have to imagine that come Q4 at the latest, Tesla's going to be all about the Model Y and really getting the word out about it. Next clip here. This uh, should be music to the ears of a number of you. I've had calls about this. Uh, people have requested this. There is some good news coming for those of you who have not yet purchased full self-driving. Uh, you're going to have an optional, uh, a second method of acquiring it here before too long. Take a listen to this. Um, I think we, we, we will offer uh, full self-driving as a, as a subscription service, uh, but it will be um, probably towards the end of this year. Um, it, it, I should say it, it will still make sense as as to to buy FSD as an option, as in our, in our view, it, buying FSD is is an investment um, in the future, and and we are confident that it is an investment that will pay off to the consumer and to the benefit of the consumer. Uh, and in, in my opinion, um, buying the FSD option is something people will not regret doing. I agree, and, and financially rolling the upfront purchase of your of the FSD option into a loan in the vehicle or a lease is will be the least expensive way on a monthly basis to own, plus you preserve the option value of increased value with time. Yeah. But we do understand that some customers who have ownership or have leased their vehicles did not purchase that option up front. And so this will enable those customers um, to spread out the cost of, of ownership of F FSD or subscription over time. Yeah, absolutely. I should mention, like, at a high level, our, our overall goal is to, to maximize the area under the curve of customer happiness. That That is our goal. And we think that, you know, that that's the kind of thing that all companies should try to do. Um, and it's it's which, what results in long-term value creation um, and, you know, and loyalty begets loyalty. So our goal is always really to do the best thing for the customers. Um, and, and and we're confident that... that I, us, if, if we if we behave like that, that the customers in turn will will behave the same way to us. Many people have been asking for this, and that is seemingly a primary reason that Tesla is going to offer it, according to Elon. There, so that's cool. I'm really curious to see what the terms of this are going to look like. I mean, let's figure on a five-year loan slash term of ownership. $7,000 is the lump sum price for full self-driving. Now, that works out to $116.67 per month. That obviously is not factoring in any uh, taxes or interest. So I'm going to guess, based on that, that the least amount, the absolute minimum amount that this is probably going to be is $100 a month, but it might be more. But I think at $100 a month, they would probably get plenty of people to bite on that, as even paying that would still be less. $100 a month for, for autopilot, for full self-driving, would still be less than what a lot of people were paying in gasoline fuel costs before they got their Tesla. So they, they might feel like they'd still come out ahead, even with a $100 a month full self-driving subscription. What do, I'm curious, what do you guys think on that? Feel free to ca uh, call or email in on that one. I'll be uh, eager to take your pulse on that and see where, where everybody else is, is uh, leaning there. All right, uh, on that note, there are plenty more upgrades waiting to be done in the fleet, says Elon Musk. Absolutely. There's also a tremendous amount of untapped potential in um, the, the, the fleet out there that could upgrade 
to turn on um, autopilot, basic autopilot, or full self-driving, um, and that's something we will enable you know, just as a simple in-app purchase, um, or as we were talking about earlier, just you know, towards the end of the year as a subscription. So that, that's that's just a, a lot of untapped potential there. Um, that's that's not in the deferred revenue line, obviously, um, but is certainly a great deal of deferred potential that we think is a large portion of which is likely to, likely to reach fruition. Remember on this that basic autopilot did not start getting included in the cars until early 2019. So that is a lot of Model 3s, Model S's, and Model X's from about 2017 odd onward when autopilot 2 started shipping that might not have any autopilot unlocked that Tesla could now turn and sell one or both autopilot packages to. So definitely plenty of potential revenue there with almost zero work needed to realize that revenue. So if that is of interest to you to upgrade to the basic autopilot, look for that in your app coming sooner rather than later in the upgrade section. Uh, as for this, some good news on the Model 3 in China for the next clip. Take a listen. Yeah, so um, we are making rapid progress on lowering the production cost in China, and um, um, we're actually excited to announce on this call that we will be reducing the price of the standard range uh, Model 3 uh, uh, basically tomorrow China time. So the day after tomorrow California time, but tomorrow China time. Um, and, uh, and, that, and that will be a price below the subsidy limit. And we're, we're, we feel confident that that will still be uh, a vehicle that delivers uh, a good gross margin. If you remember, Tesla did similar things here in the U.S. last year as our federal tax credit phased out, so it's no surprise to see Tesla continue that in China. Hopefully it helps keep sales strong over there uh, as the, you know, they're continuing to grow. They're still ramping up, still growing in China, which is great to see. Let's bring it back to the United States and talk about one state in particular. Listen to this. Um, yeah, actually, we're just, I, I, we don't want to preempt Battery Day. Um, we want to you know, leave the exciting news for, for that day, but there will be a, a lot of exciting news to, to tell. Um, and I think it, it'll be one of the most exciting days in, in Tesla's history. Um, and we're just trying to figure out the right timing for that. Uh, we think probably the right timing will be the um, probably the third week of May. Um, um, not, not giving a firm date, but we think that probably that's the right timing. Um, and uh, depending upon what we're allowed to do, it'll either be in California or Texas. So is Tesla saying that Battery Day in the third week of May would be in Texas because Texas has said they're reopening for business and Tesla could invite people to their SpaceX facility there? I don't think it's that. I think it's the same thing you're probably thinking right now, and that is a deal for Gigafactory 5, the one that's going to build Cybertrucks and be in the middle of the U.S., is going to be in Texas after all. Uh, we need more evidence that that's the case? Well, how about this next clip? Elon makes it fairly clear. <laughs> um, I think we will announce the next Giga possibly as soon as uh, a month. We may, we may announce this as soon as next month. Um, 
this is not a prediction. It's just saying yeah, that's that could happen. Um, it will certainly be within three months and, and possibly one month, um, and that would be in, in the U.S. Um, so, as for how many will be in five years, I'm not. I I don't know right now what that number would be. Um, I, I guess several more than there are today, but I'm not sure what, what exactly it would be in five years, but some number more than today. Hmm, a month from now, huh? That happens to be just about exactly when Battery Day is. And that obviously would be an excellent event to announce a new battery factory at. Is it going to be near Austin, which is a tech hub, somewhere else in the state? But it does seem like that is the fi- that Texas is the finalist, or uh, not only well, not only a finalist, but the front runner here. Now, my other big question: if it does indeed end up being Texas, will Texas be able? Will Texas? Will Tesla be able to make a deal with the state of Texas to get them to drop their ban on selling cars directly to consumers, thus uh, legalizing? To, to borrow the term, legalizing Tesla there. Uh, it does seem like that would be a natural bargaining chip to bring, what, six, eight, ten thousand 10,000 jobs to Texas in the form of Gigafactory 5. Well, it does look like we won't have to wait too long to find out if it is indeed Texas, and if so, where in Texas. All right, now the next clip, uh, this is the, the show's going to take a little detour here. Uh, not, I guess, from me, but because of Elon, you've probably heard about this already, but uh, Elon was asked about the shelter-in-place orders in that are uh, in effect still here in California, and uh, the obviously the shutdown that has continued at the Tesla factory because of that. Well, he did not mince words. And this is a this might be the first time ever that I have to actually issue a profanity warning on this podcast. So I know some of you have listened to this with family, younger family in the car. Uh, you might want to skip ahead. How long is this clip? Uh, this clip is sorry. Let's see here. This clip is a minute and a half. So you might want to skip ahead that far. But here's Elon Musk talking about the factory, the ongoing Tesla factory shutdown. Yeah, yeah. I, I should say we, we are a bit worried about not being able to resume production um, in the Bay Area, and, and that should be identified as a serious risk. Um, that, you know, that we, we, we only have two car factories right now, one in Shanghai and one in mm-hmm. the Bay Area, and the Bay Area produces the vast majority of our cars, uh, all of S and X, um, uh, uh, and and most of the three and all of the Y, so um, the, the the extension of the shelter in place, uh, or frankly, I would call it forcibly imprisoning people in their homes uh, against all their constitutional rights. That, that my opinion, and breaking people's freedoms in ways that are horrible and, and, and wrong, uh, and not why people came to America or built this country. What the fuck? Excuse me. Um, people, the outrage, it's an outrage. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, but it, it will cause great harm, not just to Tesla, but to many companies. Um, and 
while Tesla will weather the storm, there are many small companies that will not. And and, and all the people's everything people have worked for their whole life is going to get is being destroyed in real time. Um, and we're going to have many suppliers and are are having many suppliers that are having super hard times, especially the small ones. Um, and it, it's it's causing a lot of strife to a lot of people. And then uh, there's a part two to this. The next analyst on the call asked uh, Elon what he thinks we should be doing in the meantime. Uh, and he used that as an opportunity to answer the question, but also continue his feelings on the shelter in place. So here is the second part of the first clip, the, the last clip that you just heard, really. I think it's high time we invested in infrastructure in this country. We have a lot of crumbling highways and bridges and, um, and, and frankly, um, you know, when I visit China, I, I, I see their infrastructure as being much better than ours. It's, it's great. Um, um, Europe has better infrastructure. It's, it's, it's really quite sad. The, the U.S. infrastructure, um, especially sort of roads and highways, is, is, is where it is today. Uh, and our, our airports, um, in a lot of cases, are, are, are an embarrassment. Um, so, and it's not just a question of money, it's a question of will. Um, you know, sometimes we spend a lot of money on these things, but what are we getting for it? For it? Um, so, you know, and, and yeah, we, we really need to be thinking about what is the transportation of the future, not the transportation of the, of the past. Um, you know, if, if this was uh, 1920, do you want to be investing in steam engines or internal combustion engines? You know, obviously, not, not steam engines. So, um, you know, this is a time to think about the future, um, and, and also to, to ask, you know, are, is it right to infringe upon people's rights, as as what is what is happening right now? Um, I think the I think the people are going to be very angry about this and are very angry. Um, yeah, it's like if somebody should be if somebody wants to stay in their house, that's that's great. They should be allowed to stay in their house and they should not be compelled to leave. But to say that they cannot leave their house um, and they will be arrested if they do, this is this is a, this is a, this is a, this is fascist. This is not democratic. This is not freedom. Give people back their goddamn freedom. Well, I want to be very honest with you here, as I always am. I'm honest with you. That's a I'm a big honesty is the best policy person, and I'll tell you that. I debated whether or not to talk about this. I've said this before, but I'll say it again here. My goal with this podcast, honestly, it is I want this to be a fun hour each week where you can come regardless of whatever else, you know, other things you're listening to, other news you're hearing, where if you're listening to this podcast, you can come here, you can indulge in something that you're enthusiastic about, which is Tesla. I don't want this podcast to be political uh, or or critical just for the sake of being critical. The internet's full of that. Now, I admit, I've admitted many times, I'm a Tesla fanboy. I would rather this just be a fun, hopefully informative hour where we can catch up on the week's news from this company whose products and whose mission we all share a passion for. There's, you know, there's, again, there's enough partisanship and negativity outside of the fantastic Tesla community. I don't want to give you any more of that than you already get each week. But again, I'll be honest, this issue, I, this issue of the, of the shelter in place of the, of the quarantine, 
I don't think it's overtly political, but in a sense, it kind of is. I mean, it's, uh, it, it certainly is really polarizing people that way, and such that if I give my opinion on this, I might immediately anger half the audience, no matter what. And, and that's not what I'm looking to do here. That's not what I'm looking to do. I mean, you can't please anybody, uh, everybody all the time, and, nor should you. You know, I'm not saying that anybody does agree with me all the time or should. In fact, I hope you disagree with me sometimes. But anyway, all of that, that preamble there, that all weighed on me too this week. But at the end of the day, this podcast is a place where I, I give my opinions on Tesla and the Tesla universe and my hopefully fairly well-informed opinion as somebody who's been studying this company for, gosh, much, much longer than I've been doing the podcast. I've been studying this company for, well, yeah, more than 10 years now, ever since I first fell in love with the Roadster when I got to drive it way back in 2009. But anyway, uh Hopefully, if you disagree with me, my body of work with this podcast speaks for itself. So if you disagree, we can do so respectfully, and you'll still enjoy the podcast. I hope so. Because, you know, if I'm not being honest, what's the point? Anyway, all of that is to say I am really disappointed in Elon Musk here. Re just tremendously disappointed in his, in his behavior. First on the analyst call, and then uh, since then on Twitter— this is a global pandemic, the likes of which we have not seen for a century, none of our lifetimes, and I just flat out don't agree with his take on it. And even more than that, his very strong doubling down on comments about fascism are quite frankly based on the factually wrong notion that the California shelter-in-place means that if you go outside, you get arrested. That is simply wrong. That is not the case. It has never been the case throughout any of this. Uh, and then he spent the entire day on Twitter the next day, meaning not like literally he was tweeting all day, but there was a lot of Twitter activity, as much or more than, than usual, certainly. The whole next day, though, he's just making post after post, hammering on about this. Now, I will say, I will say, I, I want to genuinely believe, based on his track record, and what I know of him from from a, you know reporting on him for so long, I do genuinely believe, genuinely believe, pardon me, that his heart is in the right place. That he wants to reopen Tesla because he believes in the company's mission and purpose, and he wants to get back to building electric cars and doing these things that are help hopefully making the world a better place, one car at a time. I mean, my conversation with him off the air after my interview, gosh, I, it's almost been exactly a year now. So a year ago, that for me, it really reaffirmed that, that, that he really is driven by the mission, that it's not just BS from him. It's not, he's not out there just trying to say, say the right thing to get money. That's, uh, that does not, that is not the person that I have observed both publicly and privately. Uh, but I, I imagine that he's frustrated that he cannot get back to the mission right now. In fact, I will say, as to, to bring in a bit of, of uh, counterbalancing here, analysts from Wall Street were not too concerned. Here are a couple of quotes uh, reported by Bloomberg. So thank you, Bloomberg, for, uh, for doing this story. 
Dan Ives, a Wedbush securities analyst who uh, has currently has a hold rating on the Tesla stock, according to Bloomberg. He said, we view these comments as tongue in cheek and it's Elon being Elon. It's certainly a headache for investors for him to venture into this area as his tweeting remains a hot button issue. Now, and then there's one other quote. I'll just give you another one that Bloomberg got. Gene Munster, managing partner at Loop Ventures, says, quote, Musk is frustrated and he has a pattern when he's under pressure to turn to Twitter. It's his form of therapy, but he also has an agenda, which is to get the Fremont factory back open, end quote. Well, I'll say this. As someone with an underlying condition, I told you I've got, got, I've got asthma, I'm scared of this thing. I am, I'm scared of it. This is not the flu. Over 60,000 people in the United States have died, and we are not out of the woods here. California's cases per day are still climbing as of Friday. So I just really sincerely disagree with Elon on this. Maybe you do too, or maybe you're with him and you want the country to reopen. And that's, you know, that's everyone's entitled their opinion. It this I will say this this does not change my respect and admiration for Elon with regard to what he's achieved with Tesla, nor I should definitely say, does it affect my love for the products and for the company's mission? Now, Elon is a huge integral part of Tesla, but Tesla is not just one man. I mean, Nikola Tesla was, but Tesla Incorporated is not. But I think he's wrong here, and whether you agree with him or not, I just urge you to think it through for yourself. I see a lot of blind, almost cult-like worship of Elon out there. I've really noticed it get what I would use the term worse over the past year or so. It's just, I've seen it. I've seen it out there. And so that's all I would caution you is think this through for yourself. Form your own opinion, whether you agree with Elon ultimately or not. But, uh, you know, risk... Can you be can you be a fan of Elon? Can you respect him, admire, uh, be enthusiastic about Tesla? Yes, all great. But Elon is human. He knows a lot of stuff. He's achieved incredible things, but he doesn't know everything, and he's not right all the time. None of us are, and I don't think he's right here. So anyway, I'll, I'll stop there. I don't have anything else to say, but sorry to derail the show. But let's get back to some fun stuff, shall we? I've got one more clip from the earnings call because the, by the way, the, the technical difficulty that I alluded to at the top of the show, the the uh, it seems like Elon and Zach and whomever uh, I forget the other gentleman's name who more or less hosts the calls seemed like they were all in the same room and their connection dropped just midway through. They were giving an answer to an investor and it was dead silence on the call for like. Two minutes, probably. It took took a while for them to reset things, so that kind of ate into the hour that they have allotted to this. But anyway, I've, I do have got uh, I've got one more clip for you. This one now the question was about Elon. How will the robo taxi rollout go? But what he the the explanation that Elon gives here I find uh, more interesting than just than the answer to the question about the robo-taxi. So take a listen to this. Well, it's pretty much going to play out as, as it has play, played out, which is we'll 
um, re release more and more functionality. Um, you know, before we reach, re release any functionality, it goes through extensive testing. Of course, we run it. We, we have a, a simulations team that uh, has a, I think, a very good uh, simulation of the real world. Um, so we, we run any code changes through a battery test and simulation. Then we um, have a, a global QA team, which I'm on actually. I'm on, a, um, with the, on the global QA team, um, and, and we test uh, the releases in the real world, real world the differences between the real world and the simulation, which is which are very many because the world is very complex and weird. Uh, and then we re release it to a small group of uh, private beta testers within the company, then to a, a larger beta audience, uh, including people outside the company, then to uh, early access, uh, uh, Tesla owners, uh, and then finally a broader release. Um, and so there's, there are many stages that these things go through. So if, if by the time something is being going to wide release into the U.S. It, um, it has gone through all of those stages, and the software that's at the at the very early stage is, is much more advanced than what people are seeing. So, um, but it's just got to go through a, a, a very rigorous safety uh, process. Uh, so, it's, you know, essentially, we, we need to um, figure out get get very good at complex intersections get very good at complex turns in intersections um, and um, you know, things like um, busy uh, malls in a parking lot or um, office park or uh, special events and sporting events, that kind of thing, when those eventually come back. Um, yeah, these, those, those are extra hard cases. Um, but it, it's all tracking very well. I feel like the autopilot engineering team is, um, is, is we just have an extremely talented group, um, and uh, I'm, I'm deeply involved with the team. Um, so we talk every week and, and meet every week when we can. Because now physical meeting is difficult. But, um, so I have a, quite a deep understanding of where we are and where we're headed, and um, I feel like we, we have a tremendous amount of momentum, and, and we'll have the functionality necessary for um, full self-driving by the end of the year. Um, now, after that functionality is released, there's, there's still another step, which is to uh, improve the reliability of it uh, once it's released. Um, so you can have full self-driving with with human supervision that's supervised by the driver, and, and then we keep improving the reliability to the point where um, it, is, it no longer needs to be supervised by the driver. And we provide a, a vast body of data to regulators to show them that this is the case, uh, and then presumably the regulators, depending on which jurisdiction it is, would give approval for fully autonomous cars that can drive with no human on board. Um, Obviously, the regulatory approval process, that's difficult for us to um, predict uh, with accuracy because it's out of our hands. But um, for the rest of it, I, I feel very good about where we are. Well, I thought that was interesting to play for you because I don't think I've ever heard Tesla explain 
all the layers of testing that go into an autopilot release. I counted seven levels of testing there if I got them all. But it sounds like, too, they've got some really cool stuff going on down at the lower internal levels right now. So we'll stay tuned for that in the coming months. We've got the new stoplight feature to play with in the meantime. That is your Q1 2020 earnings call. Hope you uh, enjoyed my recap of that. But stick with me. I'm going to come right back. I'm uh, not going to do the Ride the Lightning hotline this week because I'm already running plenty long. But keep your calls coming. You can uh, either send your question in via just recording it on your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and then just email the file to me. Or you can leave a message anytime on the Ride the Lightning hotline. Toll-free number there for calling or Skyping, one 888 989-8752. Again, that's one 989 tsla if you want to talk about something from the earnings call, good or bad. Uh, all right, so stick with me. I'm going to come right back, do the pro tip of the week, and a couple of other little notes, and then I'll get out of here. So stick with me. Not quite done yet. This is Steve Downs the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Well, my car, which as many of you know, I've named the Spirit of Adventure, has not really had a lot of adventures lately as it's mostly sat in the garage, but that's okay. I told you I took my little quick test drive uh, a little bit around San Francisco to play with the stoplight stop sign feature. And otherwise, I'm just uh, I'm still waiting on my 0G wheels, but hey, thankfully the car's not going anywhere. So when they get here, they get here. Real quick, I want to give you the quarantine video game recommendation. Keep this segment going until people tell me that they don't want to hear it anymore. Uh, I'll keep it fast, but this week, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. This is a game I that very nearly had my Game of the Year vote for last year, so it's pretty new. It came out in November of last year. It's very good. It's been a while. Uh, if you're a gamer, you know it's been a long while since we have had a great single-player Star Wars game, but this is it. It's from the people behind the original Call of Duty games, it's they these people did uh, Titanfall, Apex Legends, their studio worked on, and the director, the game director on Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, is a man by the name of Stig Osmussen, who was the director on God of War three, which is the last one for for PlayStation three. So great pedigree, great team, and they made a really excellent game. Even if you end up playing on a lower difficulty. I ended up adjusting mine down a bit on occasion. It gets pretty tough. It's a it's a lightsaber game. There are no guns. Uh, it does get tough from time to time, but you know, bring the bring the difficulty down if you need to. Just enjoy it. Have a great time. It's a really excellent Star Wars game. All right, the pro tip of the week this week comes from John in New York. Go ahead, John. Hello, Ryan. This is John from New York, and I just have a Tesla tip. A lot of people are familiar with uh, the last week's tip from the caller who uh, reminded us that you can touch and hold the fan icon to turn off the climate system without bringing up the climate screen in the Model 3. But what a lot of people don't realize, and I tweeted about this a while back, is you can actually tap on the temperature number, tap on the number itself in order to turn it back on without bringing up that climate screen pop-up. Thanks. Take care. 
Thank you for that, John. That is another one that I use almost literally every day, but that might not be completely obvious, so I appreciate you calling in to remind us all. Again, if you've got a pro tip of the week, please send it in the same way that you send in the phone calls. So either call up the Ride the Lightning hotline or use your smartphone to record something and email it to me. Thank you very much in advance. And with that, let me uh, plug a few friends of the podcast. First up, abstractocean.com. They're having a uh, sale right now. Check out what's, what's doing. They've got the tempered glass screen protectors for your Model 3 or Model Y. They've got the Roadster-style T-E-S-L-A lettering that you can go uh, put on the back of your Model 3 for a little extra cool look there if you're into that. There's the vinyl wrap kits for the center consoles if you'd like to do that, plus all the great lighting kits that Abstract Ocean first made their name off of. Use the coupon code RTL Podcast at checkout, and you will get yourself 15% off of your first order. So that's abstractocean.com. And how about Immaculate Reflections? Jeff doing wonderful work to uh, your car. He'll take he'll he'll make it better than new. That's what he did to mine. So uh, if you're looking for paint correction, paint protection film, uh, ceramic coating, any of those, all of those, drop him a line and or look up his work online. He's offering discounts for listeners of this podcast. So the website is irdetailing.com. You can check him out on Yelp, which is yelp.com slash immaculate reflections. And on Instagram, his handle is immaculate underscore reflections. And then there's uh, the Jada Wireless Charging Pad. So their sale continues, but I'm told that it will be ending soon. So there's a, I think, legit good deal here on the wireless charging pads for Model 3, the USB hub for the 3 or the Y, uh, or in the case of the 3, if you've got a 3, you could buy both and get a, a great discount. So it's $40 off of both or 20 off the pad and, or, and separately 10 off the hub. So uh, 10 off one, 20 off the other, or 40 off of both. Uh, the coupon codes for that, it's Jada Hub, all one word, for the USB hub, Jada Pad for the wireless charging pad, and Jada Bundle, all one word, if you're buying both. Please use my referral link. I would be super appreciative of that because uh, full transparency, the, the kind folks at Jada throw a couple bucks my way if you do proceed with a purchase by coming through my referral link. So that link is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. You can always find that link in the show description if you ever need it. I thank you in advance for using it. Meanwhile, uh, of course, my other friends at puretesla.com slash R-T-L. That's the website to go to grab a one-stop solution for your dash cam for your sentry mode uh just pick up it's you're only you have two choices the 128 gig kit or the 256 gigabyte kit either way you're going to be able to hold a whole ton of sentry mode clips and you're not have to, you're not going to have to worry about your drive going bad because pure tesla's kits are micro sd based so that media format is designed for frequent and constant reading and writing. So go to puretesla.com slash RTL, free shipping in the US, and uh, comes ready to go right out of the box. You don't have to set up anything. You just take it out of the package 
and plug it straight into your car. And I think that will about do it. Other than I will kindly remind you, if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, that is a totally free thing. I would urge you to subscribe that way. The show just comes to you. You don't have to remember to go find it every Sunday. So you can subscribe on pretty much any of the major podcast services, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, which is in your Tesla. You can subscribe and find the podcast in your car. Uh, and then YouTube as an audio-only thing. It just it's the, the You'll be looking at the logo for the duration of the show, but there, the audio does go there if you'd like to listen via YouTube. Just search me on YouTube, Ride the Lightning Tesla, and that should pull the channel right up, and you can easily subscribe there. All right. Uh, follow me on Twitter if you like, at DMC underscore Ryan. Same handle on Instagram. Meanwhile, you can always email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com, and Patreon. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, you get a lot out of it. I mean, these these uh, quarterly earnings calls are uh, the ones, the, the, the episodes I have to put in typically the most work for, but I always feel good about how they turn out. I, I just think it feels more like a radio show when we're just going through all these clips and stuff like this and able to, I I've, I've hopefully am providing you a valuable service by uh, chewing through the entire earnings call and just giving you the good parts. But anyway, point being, if at any point now or in the future, you feel that I have earned your support, totally voluntary, of course, you're always going to get the podcast. But if you see it in your heart to support me, Patreon is the way to do that. You can find more information on my Patreon page, which is at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And Patreon is spelled P-A-T- R-E-O-N, of course, Tesla Podcast, and that URL being all one word. And I'll close by thanking the Patreon producers. These are the folks that are supporting at the tier in which, among other things, you get your name shouted out at the end of every show. So thank you, Pete White. Thank you, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Scott Gillis, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalen, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversoll, Ish, and Ramey from TeslaProTips.com. Thanks to all of you for your ongoing support. That'll do it for me, and yes, oh yeah, a sleeping Daisy the Boxer Puppy. She is uh, in dreamland somewhere. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look to head to that place as well here pretty soon. It is late here on Friday night. Hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. I always have a good time putting it together and uh, spending an hour with you. It is, it is a, a great privilege for me to get to put this out there 
and have people actually enjoy it. So hope you enjoyed the show this week. Happy electric motoring if you are if you are able to get the car out at all. Otherwise, stay safe, stay healthy, and I will see you back next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.